Hello and welcome to Watkins Wise Words, a podcast that celebrates conscious, passionate, wise and happy living. Thank you for tuning in and here is your host. So hello and welcome. My name is Steve Nabell and today I'm speaking with Isabel Lazada on her book Sensation, Adventures in Sex, Love and Laughter. Now, Isabel has worked as an actress, singer, dancer, researcher, TV producer, broadcaster, public speaker, comedian and author. And um, now she's probably well known for her best-selling book, The Battersea Park Road to Enlightenment. And her latest book is called Sensation, Adventures in Sex, Love and Laughter. And we're speaking on that book today. Hi, Isabel. Good morning, Steve. Now, let me ask you, your books, as I've known you, all your books you've been writing, it has had a strong spiritual and personal development thrust. Are you changing direction? <laughs> no. Um, yes, as, you, as you've said, all my books in the past have, have been really more spiritual and leaning, but my overall subject has always been happiness. Yeah. And... Um, Happiness from the mind, body, spirit perspective. I've tried to look at all those angles. I've tried to explore every single avenue towards happiness and towards us leading, you know, the, the best life that we can live. Yeah. And it was interesting. I was challenged because a, a friend said to me, well, if you write about mind, body, and spirit, how come you've never written about sex? Mm. Because guess what? This just out, um, body isn't supposed to be just about diet and yoga and exercise yeah. and really when I thought about it I realized that my focus on the body had been exclusively um, diet yoga and exercise and I completely missed sexuality and then when I thought why had I excluded sexuality I realized that the answer was um, simply cowardice <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. Um, and so but because I've been talking, as we all have in, you know, in the human potential movement about doing things that we're, that we're frightened of doing, then I thought, um, well, okay, let's explore sexuality. Well, coming to happiness, would you say that behind closed doors, bedroom doors, there is quite a bit of misery and unhappiness? I would say, based on everything I've learned while I've been researching this book, that there is... I would go so far as to say a, a silent epidemic of a lack of good, healthy sexuality. I think there's so much standing in the way of it. I mean, for example, I mean, I, I, I put out some messages on social media to, to all the people that follow me and the various, you know, two Facebook and two Facebook accounts and Twitter and all those. And I just asked a simple question, how's your sex life? And I said, please answer privately or publicly. And I was really deeply saddened by a lot of the responses. For example, people would say, I haven't had sex with my husband for three years since my daughter was born, is one that sticks out in my memory. And then, you know, I'm fed up with all his pushing and shoving. I just fake it so I can go to sleep. Mm. And, you know, I find that dribbling and pretending to be asleep is, you know, works. And, and then, of course, there's all the people that are, that are celibate, not necessarily, you know, I, and I would exclude from that the people who've chosen to be voluntarily celibate, you know, the, the nuns and the monks and those people, people in a voluntary spiritual tradition. Mm. I mean the people who are celibate because they don't want to be celibate, but they just don't have partners. And there's all the people that 
have partners but are sexually estranged from their partners, so which is surprisingly common. People who are who are married in long term relationships but the sex has long since to that they've long since agreed that they're not going to be having sex anymore. That is surprisingly popular mm. as a choice I'm finding. And then there are the people that do have sexual relationships but they're astoundingly infrequent and then there are the people that have sexual relationships but they're having sex but it's only enjoyable quite often for the man and not for the woman and so you put all those things together Mm. that number of people who are having healthy positive nourishing sexual experience with each other reasonably regularly i think is from my research way you know way lower than we would have thought before looking into this subject so i guess this book seems to be about aimed at people who want to have a happy sex life but don't know how now if that's true and it also seems to be aimed at women but i think i've been looking at it and i think as a man it looks brilliant i recommend men to read this book so do you think that men and women speak a different sexual language almost have different needs or maybe just don't understand the other person do I think women and men have different sexual needs? Uh, yes, I do. I think that, obviously, we're speaking... I have to speak in generalizations to answer a question like that. Yeah. I would say that, for the most part, men's sexual arousal and um, orgasm and ejaculation is usually more easily accessed for a man and faster and stronger the arousal comes quicker and stronger mm. whereas for example um drew lawson who i who are one of the people that i quote in the book says that it takes uh, for, for a, an average man you know based on based on research that they've done it usually takes 10 minutes of sexual interaction for a man to be aroused enough to be able to ejaculate an orgasm Whereas for a woman, it can take half an hour of various, you know, sexual play and things before she even begins to enter into orgasmic states, mm. or, you know, high levels of arousal. Now, when someone told me that, I thought, dear God, I wish I'd known that when I was 18, 19 years old, when I was first with my first partner. Yeah. Because I think quite innocently both he and I thought there was something wrong with me because it was so easy for us to have sex and for him to orgasm and ejaculate. Mm. And I would be experiencing, you know, way less. And he just thought, well, this woman's obviously broken. I mean, we had no idea that it was... And I, so I thought I was broken and he thought I was broken and it was both, and it was completely innocent. Mm. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't malicious or selfish. He'd like to have pleased me, but we, we just, we had no idea. We had, we had no idea. And, um, and I think that's, that's still quite a common experience because these things are not talked about still. I mean, you'd think it was the 1950s. Yeah. Talked about in an honest way. And on top of that, of course, we have all the, the nonsense from the from the you know I mean like every day we open our computers and men get told that they've got to you know buy Viagra in order to please women and you know mm. it's absolutely not not what women need so so yes I think there's a mess I think women don't women also in my experience and, and I can speak as being guilty of this often don't take responsibility for their own experience 
So a w women are prone to, even if they're not faking an orgasm, which many women do, they're prone to exaggerating the level of pleasure that they're, that they're feeling with sound and in many ways in order to make the man feel happy. Because yeah. women, you know, we're, we're all very codependent. We want to make our partner happy. So we'll make various groans of pleasure that are not necessarily indicative of, of, what, we're, of what we're feeling in our bodies. And then we, women become entrapped by their own deception. Because, as I say in the book, that um, even after a year of working on this book with my partner, it was almost impossible for me to say to him, darling, when we enter into the penetrative part of the sex that we're having, the levels of sensation in my body go down, not up. Mm. I'm experiencing enhanced sensation when we, when we come to penetrative sex. That's the point where... I start to have it less sensation and less pleasure. Very hard to admit that to a man because for him, it's the part that is most pleasurable. Mm. So women, don't, women just don't like to do it. They don't like to upset their partners. And so they get caught in, in this business of pretending in one way or another. And then they can't get out of it. And so then they start to make excuses because they don't want to upset their partner. And then eventually they will rebel against their own deception and say, no, I don't want to have sex anymore because they're not really enjoying it. And then you've got a sexually estranged marriage on your hands. Yeah. And really it starts with women really needing to stop being so codependent and to really take responsibility for their own experience. And so I think in this sense, women are more guilty than men are because they don't give men the feedback that they need. I mean, men want to please women. They want to please the woman that they're making love to. Of course they do. Of course they want to please them. I mean, of course, yes, there are men out there that are just selfish and just want to, you know, have their own experience and they don't really care about the man's sense, the woman's sensation. But I think, the, I think that's the minority of men. I think, you know, even a bad man, whatever a bad man is, wants to please the woman that he's, that he's making. He wants to give her pleasure as well. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of men just lack the feedback because the women don't know how to give feedback. Mm. And I'm, I've absolutely been 100% guilty of this in my, in my entire sex life. In fact, when a man would say, what do you want me to do for you? Mm. I would go into apoplectic horror because I didn't know how to answer the question. So I think it's a, it's a complex area. It does need looking at. It does, and I, you know, I've, I've tried to explore as many areas of this as possible in the book and to make it funny. That's might be my aim, to be entertaining. <laughs> well, it certainly is that. I can certainly validate what you've said because I've also been utterly frustrated with partners who've just given no feedback. And then I yeah. met an American partner who just said, look, if you do this, 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 and this, everything would be amazing. And I went, oh, and I did. Though that 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 and that, and we had this most ecstatic connection for 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 a period of time, like one or two years. Now, um, well, well, good for her. Good yeah, for her I mean, for she, having, you know, having learned those things. Absolutely, I, I, it was a revelation. You know, a revelation to me. Now, one thing I love about your writing is that you 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 do kind of jump in the deep end. You kind of write as you're kind of researching, and you've been on a, a, a whole journey, a bit like the Bassey Park Road to Enlightenment. Your style is dive in and write about it. Now, in this book, you've explored tantric sex workshops, yoni massage, which I thought was very funny, and you've dived into orgasmic meditation, which I know about, clitoral stroking. Well, I haven't been through their, their, their kind of meditation technique. Can you say something about these adventures, uh, Isabel? Well, 
yes, I started off and I thought, well, okay, I, I'd like to give a year to exploring what can I do to learn about sexuality. Do it quite seriously in the way that you would if you were entering into study a study of yoga or a study of any other area. Like, okay, so where do I start? So I thought, well, okay, I'll start with a women's tantric workshop. And I went to Shakti Tantra, uh, which is run by Hilly Spenceley and Sue Newsom. I'm sure some of the listeners to your podcast will, will be aware of them. So the, the, I started off with just women's work. Now, for me, for some reason, being in a room of women has always terrified me. Mm. I'm always afraid that, you know, I think somewhere in my mind, I think we're going to be taken off to the forest and, you know, <laughs> some things, some horrendously frightening things are going to be um, happening. Mm. I'm always slightly reassured by the by the presence of men. But anyway, so I went off to this, this women's workshop and um, very beautiful work Shakti Tantra do. I mean, you have a whole range of women between, you know, 18-year-olds, who who are completely new to sexuality to people in their to women who were in their 60s and, and even 70s I remember actually right across broad cross spectrum and looking at our attitudes to, to sexuality and to our own experience so if I take just one um, one exercise I mean it is a mystery school so they they asked me not you know, not to talk about it because they don't want people to misrepresent it too much. But having said that, there are some things in the book that I have talked about and they've read it, so I've got their okay to talk about these things. Mm -hmm. So one of the exercises that you, that you do is that you are required in this workshop to take off your clothes in front of other women. Mm -hmm. Now, you would think that this wouldn't be the hardest thing in the world, but for women, it's the hardest thing in the world to just stand naked in your own skin, in your own body and not be ashamed of something and women are ashamed of everything and of course it, it makes no difference whether they're uh, uh, whether they've got a body that a model would want um, or a body with a woman who's what we would call obese um, you know who's had maybe six children all these women right across we all have difficulty just standing in our own body and being naked now from a man's point of view if you think if a woman can't enjoy being in her body, you know, what kind of start is that for sexuality? You know, it's not, we haven't even, women, most women haven't even got to point one. An interesting factor, a friend of mine who's a woman, she does massage, and she says 99% of the women that undress and lie on her massage table apologize for something. They say, oh, you know, sorry about my flabby bum, or, you know, oh, my tummy's a bit big, isn't it? And they literally... She says when every single woman that she massages will apologize for something about her body as she lies on the massage table. Men, never, not a single one, mm. you know, regardless of their body shape, regardless. That none of them will ever say, you know, oh, I've got a bit of work to do on my abs. You know, no, no they just lie on the table. <laughs> and that's speaking, that's, that's a professional masseur speaking. We women, we've got a problem with acceptance of our bodies. We really do have a problem. And as soon as you get over that, when you see the women that have done this work, I mean, there was one woman there, I don't remember her name, sadly, but I suppose it's private anyway. But anyway, she'd been through this course, and she was standing there, she was obese, and she was standing with enormous pride, saying, you know, I love my arms, because they remind me about, you know, how the work I do, and I love my stomach, because it reminds me of giving birth to my children, and I love my legs, because I feel strong and powerful, and you just stood there, and you went, wow, 
this is what women should feel and can feel about their bodies. But on the whole, we, we don't. So, 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 and that was just one exercise from the, from the, the women's workshop. Now, because, we, because obviously I write about all this in far more detail in the book, but I just want to leap immediately on if I can, Steve, because I'm aware we've got a time restraint, mm -hmm. and talk about the couples workshop that I went on after that. Yeah. After a couple of women's workshop, I went on a workshop with my partner. Now, it's a complete mystery to me why more couples don't do this work. Now, first of all, it's always the women that drag the men along. Because apparently, despite, they say that women, men want, typically, men want more sex. But women want less sex, but they want better quality sex. So that's a, that's a divide that almost always, if you say to a man, would you like more sex? He'll say, yes, of course. But a woman would always say, well, actually, what I'd really like is better sex. So surprisingly, it's always that the women that drag the men along to these workshops because they know that the sex isn't quite right. But anyway, so there we are on a couples workshop. And again, I think there were six couples there, all ages. There was a, a, Charmingly, there was a young couple who she was pregnant and they wanted to make sure that after their baby was born that, that, you know, that they didn't lose the quality of their sex life that they've got. Mm. All the way through to a retired couple that you know, hadn't had sex for, for many years. And she had been through the workshop and now she's bringing her husband to the couples workshop. So the couples workshop was absolutely wonderful. We had a gorgeous weekend in the countryside. My, my partner was, my male partner was extremely happy to be there. He was blessing, was very keen with everything I was doing in this book. Mm. He was very keen to come and to learn and to support me and to, you know, and he was always much braver in his, in his sexual choices than I was. But we had a really wonderful weekend and I thought, why don't more couples study sexuality in this way? What Typically what happens is if a, a sex life goes pear-shaped and it's all wrong, that people think the only way that they can explore sexuality is to somehow develop an interest in BDSM that they're not really interested in or to go off and have an affair. And those seem to be the only two ways that people know how to how to enrich their sex life with the person that they love. So mm. I, you know, I'm really wanting to wave a flag for couples workshops through this book. Well, my final question, Isabel, is, is, is the, uh, maybe the big one is... Um, I don't know where we were on the final question. Uh, so, <laughs> well, I want, no, I, let me ask you about orgasm, you know, because it's a big part of the book. Uh, there seems to be a drive for the bigger and better one or, or even for some women to have one. And I read... In your in your book, that there, you discovered there are eleven types of orgasm, ten of which you'd never had before you began the research. What about this question of orgasm? Well, I would, I would, although I, yes, I did discover there are eleven forms of orgasm, ten of which I haven't had. It's true, but um, I just want to completely reframe that. Say that in this book, I am completely taking the pressure away from the orgasm. I think one of the things that has gone horribly wrong with sex in, in most people's minds is, where, is everybody wants red hot sex. They want, they, they have what I used, what I now call, you know, orgasm chasing sex. Mm. And it absolutely kills the whole sexual act if the men and the women are chasing orgasms. It's a bit as if we'd been off to an Indian restaurant, we discovered this kind of vindaloo curry, mm. and said, oh yes, this is red hot, this is all I want from now on. So every single time I go to the Indian restaurant, I'm just going to have that same meal. And the whole other range of sexual experience that is available to us, we don't have, because we're just chasing this one thing. And 
I mean, absolutely stop chasing the orgasm. Have sex. In fact, one of the most valuable things that we did in this book is my partner took, at his choice, not at my suggestion, he took something called the 30-day challenge, which is a challenge for the man where he agrees not to orgasm or ejaculate for 30 days. Now, that for us was a really interesting experience because having taken the pressure off me to, to orgasm, we then took it away from him as well. He was focusing on not orgasming or ejaculating, or not ejaculating anyway. Of course, the man is able to orgasm without ejaculating, but that's a practice that has to be learned. But during this period, we were just enjoying the sensation of, of, of our bodies together without there being this goal that takes away so much pleasure. And, you know, people feel that it's got to be, open quotes, successful. I mean, what a terrible way to, to just, the two bodies to be together, to feel that they've got to achieve this goal. And if they don't achieve it, then something's gone wrong. I mean, that is the killer of sexuality, you know. And it stops people just feeling that they can't, have some really nourishing touch that we could call, you know, maybe a little light green sex or a little ochre sex or a little orange, you know. It doesn't have to be red hot all the time. So my joke about the 11 different forms of orgasm is I think there's lots of experiences that the body can have that are different kinds of pleasure that is sometimes described as orgasmic. For example, if you, if, as I say, the man takes away the ejaculation from the orgasm, then his body will have experiences, internal sensations that feel like orgasm, but they're a different kind of orgasm from an ejaculatory orgasm. And But these are, again, things that I talk about in the book, but my main message would be forget the orgasm completely. Don't even think about it. It's a killer. Just don't, just don't even go there. Just enjoy sensation in the body. Brilliant. And I think your cat has a, a word on the on the yes. book as well there. But, uh... Yes, he's <laughs> yes, very noisy. He's my neighbour's cat, actually. All right. Isabel, brilliant. I think it's a great book. Well done for doing it. Very brave, as usual, diving in. Sensation, Adventures in Sex, Love and Laughter. When, when What's the publishing date? Uh, it's available from the 12th of September. Steve, on, on Amazon, through Waterstones, through Smith's, and through your favourite local independent bookshop. Wonderful. Well, all the best for the book, and I look forward for that cup of tea you promised me. And just to remind people, your website is isabellasada.com. That's right. Thank you. Like what you've heard? Be part of our community by visiting watkinspublishing.com, following us on Twitter at Watkins Wisdom or liking us on Facebook. <laughs>